Does truth exist? Because you have faith, does that make this book true? Does God exist? So when someone says there is no truth, if you apply the claim to itself, what should you say? Is that true? They don't think Christianity is true. They're talked out of it. You know why they're talked out of it? Because they've never been talked into it. Cross-examining skeptical and atheistic views. Welcome to Cross-Examine with Dr. Frank Turek. You know, when I thought about it, I thought, if the Bible is really the Word of God, we're not doing a really good job of teaching people how to interpret it. I mean, how many churches do you know that actually give you a course in how to interpret the Bible? Not very many in my experience. That's why we have a course called How to Interpret Your Bible. But then I got thinking, actually, there's a step below how to interpret the Bible. In order to interpret anything, you have to know how to think first. Seems like logic is actually even more fundamental than how to interpret the Bible. Logic is important. Do we teach logic anymore? Every audience I go to, I ask them, because I usually go through a segment when I do, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. I go through a segment, does truth exist? And uh, I ask the audience, how many here have ever had a course in logic? I get maybe three hands and I always go, yep, here, there are the homeschoolers, right? The homeschoolers have had a class in logic, but we don't teach logic in public school. Instead, instead of teaching kids how to think, we're actually teaching them what to feel. It's not how to think, it's what to feel or what to think rather than how to think. And so we decided that we need to needed to create a course in logic. And so we have, and my guest today really wrote the bulk of this course, and we're going to talk about some of the fallacies that we buy into in our culture because we don't know logic, and these fallacies will be exposed in the course, but we're also going to talk about them here on the I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist radio program and podcast. In fact, you're listening to this uh, radio broadcast on the American Family Radio Network, or you're listening to it on the I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist podcast. Uh, for those of you that don't know, if you're listening to radio, we do two podcasts a week, this one, which you'll hear on the radio, and then a more freeform podcast that comes out on Tuesday called I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. Anyway, I digress. We're, te we're, we're talking about logic, and in order to do that, I'm bringing the great Shanda Fulbright on the program because she's the brains behind this new course, Train Your Brain. And so Shanda has a degree from Biola University. She also used to teach public school in the state of California until she escaped to South Carolina. She also has a podcast called Her Faith Inspire. So here she is, ladies and gentlemen. The great Shanda Fulbright. Shanda, how are you? I'm good, Frank. Thanks for having me. Of course, always. We've been working on this logic course for quite a while. And uh, we talked about it, I don't know, maybe a year ago. You know, I really need to have a course in logic uh, because we don't know how to think. Uh, how did you decide, well, I, I can teach this. What, 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 what made you go, logic is something that I need to teach and I need to be a part of this project? That's a good question. Because I know you probably know by working with me that I'm never like, oh, I can totally teach that. Like, that's going to be easy. 
I mean, this is the most brain tiring project I think I've ever done. Uh The most challenging because you do have to make sure that everything you're writing out for, for a middle schooler, because I, I, this is at the middle school level is going to, you know, be understandable for them because logic, Mm -hmm. just the word logic can freak people out. And so I thought for me, I didn't learn this. I didn't teach this as a public school teacher, but I see that it's very needed. So Mm. I think if you're talking about qualifications, I'm not the the sharpest tool in the shed as the first Shrek movie says, but I'm willing to say, let's lay this out in the most basic form that we can and get people to buy in and then grow from there. And I'm, I'm the basics teacher. I'm okay with that. That's good. We need basics. I don't know about you, but Uh, There have been times in my life when I've read kids' books on the Bible so I could understand the Bible better, you know, and I think adults, if we're honest, yeah, I I like kids' books on this stuff because they they keep the cookies really on the bottom shelf. And if you really get into logic and you get into what are known as figures and moods and all these things, it can be very confusing. You think this logic isn't logical, but when you have to teach it to a sixth to eighth grader, you have to understand it yourself, which means you really have to know the material at a basic level and be able to explain it to sixth to eighth graders. And that's what this new course does. And we're going to talk about, as I say, some of the fallacies that many in our culture believe. And uh, you're going to expose this in the course. Now, although the premium course, which, which doesn't start till October, is going to be just for sixth to eighth graders, the self-paced course is going to be for anyone. So adults, if you're listening right now and you want to know logic better so you can think uh, more clearly, you want to uh, take this course. Again, it doesn't start till October, but we thought we'd give you a heads up on it. The reason is, is because uh, many people homeschool their kids and they got to choose courses. And so this course is going to help them. But let's let's talk about, Shanda, some of the informal fallacies. And when we say informal fallacies, we mean these are fallacies that don't have anything to do with the form of the argument, but these are the kind of things you hear in our culture uh, that uh, trip people up. They think are true, but they're really not. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about a fallacy. I won't reveal the fallacy. I'll just ask you a question. And then you can reveal the fallacy. People will say things like love is love and trans women are women. It was this was posted throughout the month of June, of course, the so-called Pride Month, one of the seven deadly sins, by the way. It's ironic. They call it pride. In any event, how should we think through messages like these? Is there a fallacy being committed here when people say love is love or trans women are women? Yes, I think the thing we're going to find the most common in all of these fallacies is show me the evidence, give me the reasons. And there are no reasons. There's no def- definition of what love is here. There's no definition of what a woman is here. And I'm pretty sure, you know, for your audience, we a lot of them have probably seen Matt Walsh's What is a Woman? And mm-hmm. in one of those segments, he's asking a professor what a woman is and the man cannot or will not answer the question. He just continues to say a woman is a woman. And Mm. even Matt Walsh says, you know what circular reasoning is, right? Mm -hmm. And the professor says, yes, I do. So it's like, it's so ironic and funny at the same time. So in this argument or excuse me, in this statement, they end where they begin trans women are women. You're not defining what a woman is. Love is love. You're not defining what love is. 
So what do you do with that? You, you continue to do what Matt Walsh did unsuccessfully, continue to try to get them to define what that is or give reasons for what they're saying. And in his situation, you're going to continue to dance around in this, you know, situation until someone either explains it or you walk away because you're going to beat your head against the wall. Well, the problem is, of course, it is circular reasoning. That's the fallacy here. And that's what this course will uncover. Uh, it is circular reasoning to say, well, love is love. Well, you haven't made an argument. You've just made a statement and it's circular. Uh, you haven't proven anything. And so you have to call that. What do you mean by love? Love is what seeks, seeks what's best for the other person. Well, what is best for the other person? That kind of begs the question. And of course, if you can't define what a woman is, how can you say a trans woman is a woman? <laughs> right? You've got to be able to define it. It was, I saw that, that documentary and, uh, he had this one woman he was interviewing and he said, what is a woman? And she said, well, I wouldn't know because I'm not one. Well, <laughs> wait a minute. In order, every negation implies an affirmation. If you say you're not a woman, you must know what a woman is to say you're not that. And you must know what you are to say you're not that. And so th these basic thinking skills you need to understand and you need to be able to apply if you're going to avoid the lies of the culture. And so that's why we're trying to develop this course in logic right now. And as I say, it starts October 1st. If you go to crossexamine.org, click on online courses, you'll see it there. But aren't Christians, by the way, committing the circular reasoning fallacy when they say the Bible is the word of God because it says it is? Isn't that circular reasoning? We'll cover that right after the break. You're listening to I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist with me, Frank Turk. My guest, Shanda Fulbright who uh, teaches this class, co-teaches it. She'll be teaching most of it, but I'll be a part of it as well. And uh, we're back in just two minutes, so don't go anywhere. Do you know how to think or just what to think? Or worse yet, what to feel? Man, we don't teach logic in high school or grammar school anymore. Well, we're trying to solve that problem. How to Train Your Brain. That's going to be the name of the new course, Train Your Brain, an introduction to logic. It's uh, it's for people that are just beginning in logic. So it could be middle school, high school, could even go, could be an adult in this course because we we don't teach logic anymore, which is the prerequisite for learning everything else about life. It seems like we ought to be teaching this. That's why we're doing it. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the difference between what to think and how to think in just a minute. But I do want to deal with this question, Shanda. We talked about how some of the people who are putting forth slogans like love is love and trans women are women are offering a circular argument, which is what is known in logic as an informal fallacy. Circular reasoning, also sometimes called begging the question. Uh, you're just assuming what you're trying to prove. But aren't Christians guilty of that when they say well the bible is the word of god because it says it's the word of god yes i actually talked about this this week on my podcast mm -hmm. and um i used to do it so i know it's you know you don't with the circular reasoning you are assuming what you're trying to prove so you have to give better defense or evidence for the thing you're trying to prove and we do have great evidence for the Bible. We talked about this in Let's Get Real. You talk about it, and I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. So Christians also, yes, commit this fallacy when they say, the Bible tells us it's God's word 
well, how do you know it's God's word? Because the Bible says it. You're just going to continue to go around and around in a circle unless you close the loop and provide the evidence for the claim. Yeah. Can you provide evidence that truth exists, that God exists, that miracles are possible, and that the New Testament documents are telling us the basic historical truth? Because if you can provide evidence, then you can conclude the Bible's the word of God, not assume it's the word of God. And so that's what we do. And I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. That's what you do in a course for sixth to eighth graders called Let's Get Real. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's a, an online course on our website that you can check out. Also, we have a, a course that's not an online course, but you can get the workbooks for it. This is for kids uh, age uh, or second grade to fifth grade. It's called Yes, God is Real. That's authored by myself uh, and uh, Hannah, uh, Hannah Sims, who uh, put together this great workbook for teachers and students. So we basically now, Shanda, uh, at crossexamine.org and uh, our sister organization, Online Christian Courses, we have curricula. Uh, that teach young people that the Bible is the word of God, to teach people that Christianity is true all the way from second grade on up. Mm -hmm. So second grade is yes, God is real. Uh, sixth to eighth grade is, uh, is your course, let's get real. And uh, the I don't have enough faith to be an atheist is like ninth grade and up. So we've got all that. And now we're starting on this logic issue. Now, can you... Um, unpack a little bit more for us, Shanda, the difference between how to think and what to think. Sure. How to think is going to be a little more, more difficult, obviously, because you're, you're investing in learning how to critically think through ideas without just adopting them as a belief. What to think is easy. You get information and you don't process it or critically think through it. Um, you make you make your decisions based on emotions rather than facts because it's easier to lead with your emotions at times because it feels good. And then um, what to think is passive. You know, we're, we're talking about just pour, getting the information in. It, it makes you a consumer rather than a producer, whereas how to think is active. Again, we're critically thinking about the information and processing it and evaluating the evidence to see if it's true before we adopt something as a belief. And so I like what I, I think one of the, my favorite chapters, and I don't have enough faith to be an atheist, is chapter two, when we talk about good reasons to believe something. And those first three categories, the social reasons, the psychological reasons, the religious reasons, they all fall into a what to think kind of of. Um, idea here because you're saying for social reasons, if you only believe something is true because your parents influenced you or because friends influenced you or because the culture influences you through cultural popularity or something, then you're adopting a belief based upon what to think rather than thinking through on how to think. Same thing for psychological reasons. We see that right now with the LGBTQ with Gen Z. 25% I think of Gen Z is identifying with the LGBTQ community. There is an identity issue there an identity crisis. And so psychological reasons are more like what feels good to me, what brings me peace, how I can identify with that rather than learning how to think through those things and lining it to the truth and finding the evidence to support it. And then you have religious reasons. Uh, we talk about, do you believe something only because your pastor told you to, or because you found a verse in the Bible? Um, 
again, there's good reasons to believe the Bible is the word of God, not just believing something because a quote unquote trusted source or something that you ha has influenced you to believe it and adopted it as a belief. The last category there, the philosophical is looking at something that's consistent. Truth is always consistent. There's attributes to the truth that we see and we have to look at the evidence provided to see if it aligns to what's consistent, what's complete, what matches reality. And we think through those things and then we see whether or not we should adopt it as a belief. So that's so, the difference between what and how. Yeah, that's great. We do cover that in uh, chapter two of I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. I mean, there may be sociological reasons to believe something. Your parents taught you something, you know, the culture teaches it or psychological reasons. As you mentioned, this makes me feel good. You know, I, I, I get peace from this or there may be religious reasons. You know, your pa your pastor said something and he may be right, but you, you might want to check it out, <laughs> you know, and see if he's right. Or the way to really discover whether or not something is true are the philosophical reasons. Is it consistent? Does it cohere to reality? Is it complete? Is it the best explanation of all the evidence? Uh, so instead of teaching kids this in grammar school or high school, uh, we are just teaching them what to think. Here are the values you should have, not thinking through them. Here are the things you should think are true, not thinking through them, rather than to use your mind to discover what is true, not determine what is true, discover what is true. And that requires logic. That requires thinking. That requires work. And we don't like to work. We just want everything spoon fed to us. So unfortunately, in schools today, kids are not being taught how to think. They're being taught what to think or really what to feel. And uh, right. that's a problem. That's why, Shanda, you decided, hey, we, we really need a logic course here. Train your right. brain. Let's let's do another fallacy okay. uh, that uh, the course will get into. And that's this. A lot of times people will say that the cosmological argument, when we say, that space, time, and matter had a beginning out of nothing, that there must be a cause for bringing space, time, and matter out of nothing. Uh, because you can't create yourself. The universe can't create itself. So there must be something outside the universe that brought it into existence. And we'll say that if space, time, and matter had a beginning, the cause must be spaceless, timeless, immaterial, powerful, personal, and intelligent to create the universe out of nothing. But sometimes... The atheist will say, well, if you're saying that everything needs a cause, then who made God? I mean, God needs a cause. You're saying the universe needs a cause? Well, doesn't God need a cause? What's the fallacy that's being created here when people say that? Yeah, this one is a really great misrepresentation of the cosmological argument. And for those not familiar with it, they're going to be like, oh, well, got him. You know, you got the apologist who's, who's making this claim. But the cosmological argument doesn't say that God is a thing. We're talking about the universe has a beginning. Everything that has a beginning has a cause. Um, and so therefore, you know, let me go back to that. Sorry. It's, it's, we're talking about everything that has a beginning has a cause. The universe has a beginning. Therefore, the universe has a cause. We're not talking about the attributes of who God is. God's attributes are outside of the universe. And so you can't categorize God as a thing. You're misrepresenting the argument, which is a straw man argument, making it something that's easier to knock down. And so I was thinking through this also, Frank, because I would say 
you know, and you can correct me as I'm, if I'm wrong, because I think critical thinking, you have to stop and also think what also is this? They're categorizing God as a thing, which could also be a category mistake. He does not share those same attributes as something that has a cause because he doesn't have a beginning. If he did, he wouldn't be God. He could not That's be right. the cause yeah. of the universe. Yeah. The, the second premise of the argument um, uh, says that everything, or actually the first premise, everything that has a beginning has a cause. The universe had a beginning, therefore the universe had a cause. The first premise of the argument doesn't say everything has a cause. It says everything that had a beginning has a cause. So it's a right. straw man argument to say that we're saying everything has a cause. And why is yes. it called straw man? Because think about creating a straw man and propping him up. It's easy to knock over a straw man. You can just tap him and he's going to fall over. Uh, that's what happens when you misrepresent someone's argument. You make the argument weaker than it is, a straw man, and then you just can knock it over easily. Mm -hmm. We like to say you ought to steal man your opponent's argument. In other words, make it as strong as possible don't misrepresent it. We're not saying everything needs a cause. We're saying everything that comes to be needs a cause. Everything that has a beginning needs a cause. And if space, time, and matter had a cause, whatever created time must be timeless. So whatever, whatever created time is timeless. And if you're timeless, do you have a beginning? No. That means you don't have a cause either. So God is the uncaused first cause. Mm -hmm. He is not created. He's not inside of time. He's the creator of time. So it's a right. straw man to say that God needs a cause too. Yeah, God and you want to draw people. Uncaused. You want to draw people back to the original claim. Mm -hmm. I had a guy on YouTube actually say this very thing, mm -hmm. and said, you know, God is a thing who created God, or the, everybody will ask that who created God, and then go on and on and on and give this list of whole things, all these things about why God can't be the the creator of the universe you you don't go into the details on the rest of what he has to say you first have to to go back to the original claim that was made and draw them back to that and so mm -hmm. that's how you would handle a straw man mm -hmm. yeah you, you you really got to evaluate what they're saying and uh when they misrepresent your argument you gotta say no that's not what i'm saying look we all know there has to be an uncaused first cause because you can't go on an infinite regress of causes and you can't create yourself. So either the universe is the uncaused first cause or something outside the universe is the uncaused first cause. And all the evidence shows the universe had a beginning, therefore it must be something outside the universe that didn't have a beginning that is the uncaused first cause, something spaceless, timeless, immaterial, powerful, personal, and intelligent. We've got more fallacies we're gonna go through right after the break. You're listening to I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist with me, Frank Turk, on the American Family Radio Network website, crossexamine.org. Click on online courses there. You'll see Train Your Brain. It's coming up in October. You wanna be a part of it. See you soon. Do you know how to think or just what to think or worse yet, what to feel? We're talking about how to train your brain. And uh, it's a brand new course. It comes out in October. We're talking about some of the context or contents, I should say, in the course today with Shanda Fulbright, the main instructor for this course. We're talking about some of the informal fallacies that you hear in our culture. Of course, one of the fallacies you hear, <laughs> it's actually a, a fallacy that I just call it it's self-contradictory. 
you hear in the intro to the course when somebody says there's no truth and you ask, is that true? Right. It's defeating itself. Uh, and that idea that so many people utter self-defeating statements is something you really need to get a hold of in order to uh, expose false statements. When somebody says there's no truth, you're going to ask, is that true? When somebody says you can't know anything, you're going to say, how do you know that? When somebody says you ought not judge, you're going to say, then why are you judging me for judging? That's a judgment right there. We go through all those self-defeating statements. They're all, they'll also be in uh, the course, Train Your Brain. Uh, but let's talk about another informal fallacy that you'll get. Suppose you're given evidence for the resurrection. You're saying, for example, there's too many embarrassing details in the text. They never would have invented. They never would have said that uh, Jesus called Peter, their leader, Satan, or that Peter said, Lord, I'll never deny you. And then he denies him three times. And they would never say that they were the they were uh, cowards. The disciples were while the women were the brave ones that discovered the empty tomb. This is too embarrassing. They would never depict themselves as people who were dim-witted and, and really didn't understand what Jesus was talking about. And then you give evidence that these men who were in a position to know whether Jesus had resurrected from the dead died excruciating deaths when they could have saved themselves by saying it never happened. There's no motive for Jews to invent a resurrection, especially a, a belief that would get them beaten, tortured, and killed. I mean, there's evidence that Jesus rose from the dead. You give all this evidence, Shanda, and then somebody says, oh, yeah? Well, why did God kill the Canaanites then? Well, What, that, fallacy, what fallacy are they bringing up when they say that? That is a great example of a red herring, which means- right, What does red herring mean? What does that mean? Okay, so they're trying to distract you from the main argument. And this is what I love about this fallacy because you can actually picture it happening because hunters used to train their their dogs mm -hmm. by uh you know they're they're chasing an animal they're trying to track the animal by their scent and then the hunters would bring in a dead fish and drag it across the trail and if the dog was well trained it wouldn't go off the trail and and follow the the dead fish it would continue to track the animal it was supposed to be you know mm. tracking so basically what we have to do is be that you know, trained well enough not to be taken off course, stay onto the main point of the argument or the claim that we're making and uh, not to get diverted. And so that's just another way to say, I don't really like where we're going here. Let me change the subject really quick. And you go ahead and try to refute now what I'm going to bring up, which is why a red herring and a straw man can often go together. Mm. Yeah. It's uh, to, to picture a, uh, someone trying to get dogs off the track of a fox or something, pulling a red herring across the path so the dog follows the scent of the fish rather than the fox. You can think about that. But this happens online all the time, doesn't it? You might make a good point online that, say, Jesus rose from the dead and someone goes, yeah, what about killing the Canaanites, right? Yeah. Or what about, you know, the Bible doesn't support uh, same-sex relationships. What about that, right? You can say, well, those are good questions. We can deal with those questions. But they don't affect whether or not Jesus rose from the dead. That's what we're talking about now. Can we stay on topic? Now, you actually point out, and you'll point this out in the course, that there are examples of fallacies uh, from some dialogue in the Bible of, a, uh, of another fallacy that we want to talk about here. And that is uh, one when, in John 9, the disciples asked Jesus, about a blind man. Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents? Now, 
what is the fallacy that is being expressed by the Jews saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents? They're saying there are only two options here, which mm -hmm. is an either or fallacy. So if, you know, who sinned, is this, this man or his parents, meaning there's no other option. It has to be one or the other. Mm -hmm. And Jesus answered with neither. Let me give you something else to think about. You know, uh, this is to show the glory of God. So there are times when there's more than one option. And you have to ask yourself when you're presented with an either or, is there more than one option here that we're not considering? There are times when there is not more than one option. And, and you know, we're talking about the law of the excluded middle. This is either a man or it's not. <laughs> this is either a woman right. or it's not. Um, we look at Romans 12 too. You only have two options. You're either conforming to the patterns of the world or you're being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Uh, Genesis 1, God says there's either male or female. Um, where we see the after, you know, in eternity, there's only heaven or hell. So yes, there are times when the either or is not a fallacy. But when you ask yourself, are there really only two options here? If there's not, it's an either or fallacy. It's either or fallacy. It's also called false dilemma. And, mm -hmm. and this happens quite a bit when atheists say uh, about God, if we're saying that God is the source of morality, sometimes they'll bring up what is known as the euthyphro dilemma, which comes from a dialogue in, in, in one of Plato's writings uh, where this character euthyphro says, uh, does God do it because it's good or is it good because God does it? In other words, he's trying to set up a dilemma where he says, look, uh, if God does something because it's good, then God is not the standard of morality. There's a standard beyond him and he's doing what's good. Well, you don't need God for morality then. Or the other option is, well, God, whatever he says is good. So right now he says murder is bad and love is good. Tomorrow he may say, Murder's good and love is bad. So he just invents morality, in other words. He's arbitrary. And so in that case, you don't need God either. If he's just arbitrary, why don't we just make up right and wrong? And this is presented as a true dilemma. The problem is it's not a true dilemma. It's not A or non-A. This is option A or option B. Well, maybe there's a third option. Maybe there's option C. And in this case, there is. God doesn't invent morality. Uh, he's not arbitrary. He doesn't look up to a standard beyond him in order to say, well, this is good. God is the standard of morality. That's the third option that people often don't see. So he's not arbitrary. He doesn't make it up. He doesn't look to a standard beyond him. He is the standard. The buck has to stop somewhere and it stops with God. So when people give you the euthyphro dilemma, they're giving you a false dilemma. They're giving you an either or fallacy when there is a third or fourth or maybe even fifth option. And so don't let them get away with that. Yeah. Uh, you know what I like about this too, the curriculum that we wrote, Frank, you, yeah. we put these kinds of examples in there for kids and we made it mm -hmm. a challenge section for them so they can see apologetics, uh, you know, apologetics arguments or things that we see on the inter internet, these rebuttals, like you've been saying, how would you handle them? Why are they committing this fallacy? So it does take the kids who want to be challenged with something like the euthyphro dilemma and it helps them navigate their way mm. through it. And you guide them through it. There's a lot of video in this. And during the premium version of the course, we're going to try and limit it to young people. But of course, uh, parents can take the course anytime they want self-paced. But you're going to have young people, you know, maybe fifth grade on up through high school in this class. And you're going to help them through it with some live Q&A Zoom sessions. By the way, if you go to crossexamine.org, click on online courses, you'll see it there. You can sign up now. I think there's probably still an early bird special on it. 
Uh, and we, we have several people signed up already, despite the fact it doesn't start till October 1st. Let me give you another uh, question that uh, people will give you that turns out to be a fallacy as well. Uh, you might, they might know you're a Christian, Shanda, and then say to you, you actually believe it's okay for God to kill babies and condone slavery? What fallacy is being committed when somebody says that? This is a trap question because uh, no matter how you answer it, you're going to you're going to come up looking like the bad guy. Um, mm -hmm. So it's it's a loaded question. They've put you between a rock and a hard place. So if you say yes, then obviously you're condoning killing babies in slavery. And if you say mm -hmm. no, then you don't truly believe you know the Bible. So there's a hidden assumption whenever you see a question like this, and um, you first want to address the hidden assumption and then you can go from there. Don't ever answer with a yes or a no. You answer with a yes or a no, you're just automatically playing into the trap of the hidden assumption. Yeah, it's it's a loaded question. It's sometimes called the complex question fallacy. Uh, sometimes the, the common example of this is you ask someone, when did you stop beating your wife? Mm -hmm. Right. Like like that. <laughs> that question assumes you were beating your wife. You know what I mean? So you, you, you have to back out of the question and say, well, well, hold on. What are you talking about here? Uh, so you're you're assuming or you're you're buying into the assumption behind the question when you try and answer the question. Uh, you actually believe it's OK for God to kill babies and condone slavery. OK, now you can unpack those issues. You might say, well, what do you mean by killing babies and what do you mean by condoning slavery? OK, because first of all, if God is God, we can deal with these questions directly. If God is God, when, when God kills somebody, he doesn't murder them. He just takes them from one life to the next life. I mean, if Christianity is true, people don't die. They just change location. OK, and so if God pulls his hand away from a baby, someone who's two years old or someone that's 82 years old, that's that's up to him. He can do that. We don't have the right to do that, but God does. And as we've talked about many times on this program, the Bible does not condone the kind of slavery we know about. It does put rules around something known as indentured servitude, which was not chattel slavery like we had here in America about 160 years ago. It was a way of, that people would work off debt. And uh, these people who were indentured servants had certain rights. And uh, in fact, if the Bible, if we followed the Bible, um, we would have uh, given slave traders the death penalty <laughs> because in, in the Old Testament, kidnapping people for any reason, whether it's slavery or not, was punishable by death. And of course, uh, the New Testament talks about slave traders not being uh, in the image or not being in uh, the kingdom of God. So. People misunderstand those issues. Uh, so when they give you this loaded question or this complex question, you need to you need to refute the premise behind it. What are some of the other examples you hear of, of, of this loaded question, Shanda, in today's society? You know, if you uh, if you can, if you don't, if you're against abortion, then you must you know, you're, you hate women. Yeah, right. Um, so they would rephrase they would phrase it as a yes or no. So you're saying you mm -hmm. hate women. You know, if you say I'm against abortion. Um, and so we also see this with, again, uh, if you know, you're a Christian, so you hate the LGBTQ community. Right. You know, so there, there's so many there's so many things that we see online where you're just called again. 
hate, you're being hated. You're being the the one who has a, is a phobic, a bigot, things like that. So no matter yeah, how. It, yeah, that's a complex question. That's that's a, a loaded question. It's also an ad hominem attack. And we'll, exactly. we'll cover that right after the break. It's attacking the person rather than the argument. And we'll get to that right after the break. You're listening to I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist with me and Shanda Fulbright on the American Family Radio Network back in two minutes. When atheists claim there can't be a good God because there's too much evil in the world, you know what they're doing? They're stealing from God while they're arguing against him. There would be no such thing as evil unless there was good, and there'd be no such thing as good unless God existed. That's one of the points you'll learn in the brand new online course that we'll be running here called, well, it's not brand new, we've run it before, but it's new this year. It's Stealing from God. Why Atheists Need God to Make Their Case. It starts August 14th. I'll be your instructor. If you take the premium version, you'll be live with me on six different occasions for Q&A Zoom sessions. We also got other courses coming up. Why can't you be normal just like me? If you're having trouble with your relationships, that is a fun and interesting course. You're going to learn your personality and the personality of others uh, so you can have a better relationship. It would also help you with evangelism, and so many other things in your personal interactions with people. We've got several uh, self-paced online courses. Go to online or go to go to crossexamine.org, click on online courses. You'll see them there. The brand new one that is coming up in October, we're talking to my friend Shanda Fulbright about. We're co-teaching this course. This one is called Train Your Brain, an introduction to logic. The premium version will be for like middle school and high school the self-paced course anyone can take. If you really want to learn not just what to think, but how to think and how to decipher some of these uh, fallacies that we've been talking about, we, we're just scratching the surface here on this broadcast. In fact, before the break, Shanda, we were talking about the ad hominem fallacy. That's when people call you names, you're a bigot, you're a homophobe, whatever you are. Uh, what does ad hominem mean and why is it a fallacy? It means attacking the man. I see, I think this is probably one of the most common on social media and the easiest to identify. Anytime someone resorts to just name calling or attacking your character, that's an ad hominem. They're not addressing the issue or addressing the claim. Yeah. And when somebody calls you a name, call you a bigot or something, you want to say, what do you mean by bigotry? Just ask the question. What do you mean? In fact, you're going to talk about in this class, some of the tactics, some of the questions you ought to ask back to people when they say things like this. So if they call you a bigot, you gotta say, what do you mean by bigotry? As right. soon as they try and define it, they're gonna be in trouble, right? If they say, well, you don't you don't agree with, with me on this, well, does that make you a bigot? Cause I don't agree, or does that make you a bigot? Cause you don't agree with me? I mean, bigotry is, is, is not disagreement. We all have disagreements. Right. So you gotta get them to define what they mean. Don't even, let even, them get away with calling you names. Even but, with phobic, you know? Yeah. Transphobic homophobic, anything that you disagree with, you'll be called a phobic of, of that thing. Yeah. I, identify what do you mean by that? Because disagreement does not mean fear either. It just means I disagree. That's right. I, even even Christopher Hitchens, who I debated many years ago as a new atheist, <laughs> I saw a clip of him recently when uh, somebody said he, they were offended and he said, I'm still waiting for your point. <laughs> Okay, so you're offended. Big deal. What's your point? All right, right. you haven't refuted the argument. You might not like the argument. You may 
You may be offended by what I said, but that doesn't mean I'm wrong. It doesn't mean your position's right. What evidence do you have for your position? Right. So the ad hominem attack is probably the most uh, common that we see out there. If people start calling you names, you need to stop and say, okay, but deal with the argument. What do you mean by phobic? Oh, oh, that's an irrational fear. Well, how is it irrational to think that we ought not? How is it irrational to have a fear of having a young person's genitals cut off? You mm-hmm. should fear that. You should say, I don't want that for any child, especially when 80% of these kids grow out of this gender dysphoria by the time they're 18. Why would you, why would you subject that, that to them? Anyway, right. we talked about that, um, on previous broadcasts. And as you know, I just wrote a, a new book, uh, well, uh, and updated the book, correct, not politically correct about same sex marriage and transgenderism. Amazon's out of it, but we have it. Go to crossexamine.org. .org and click on store. You'll see that book there. We deal with all those issues. Let's uh, let's also talk about this, Shanda. Here's another fallacy. Uh, say someone says to you as a parent, you have to let your kids decide for themselves what they believe. If you push God down their throats, they'll end up leaving the church one day and never trust you again. Why? What fallacy is that, Shanda? This is a slippery slope <laughs> fallacy. There are slippery slopes that are not fallacies, but we'll Mm -hmm. talk about that in a minute. So this is an assumption and an assumption is something that you accept as true without proof. So again, we're talking about thinking through something with good reasons, providing the evidence for it. What evidence do they have that if you teach your kid about God, that they'll end up leaving the church and not believing anything that you say? Um, I think when we came out with Let's Get Real and we put some things on um, the cross-examined YouTube channel, people were like, oh my gosh, a lot of things were said like this, shoving God down kids' throats and things like that. Well, where's the evidence of that? You know, we're we're Mm. talking about getting kids to believe or anyone to believe Christianity is true based upon reasons and evidence, not just telling them what to think about it. So the slippery slope is a fallacy. you know, when it doesn't give good reasons and it just makes a bunch of assumptions. When it's not a, a fallacy is when it actually d- can lead to greater, you know, more harmful things. And so we see that with people. I, one of the things that I think about is 2015 when, you know, the Supreme Court with o- Obergefell is overturned and Christians are saying, well, if you redefine marriage and, you know, we, we allow this to happen, you're going to have a lot of uh, sexual Im- immoral things coming down the pipeline. Here we are in 2023, eight short years later, and we can't even define what a man and woman, you know, mm. are. So mm. is that a slippery slope? Yes, because we see the the gradual effects of what happens when this first event takes place. Right. Yeah. There are indications that sometimes there is a slippery slope and sometimes there isn't. Going back to your point about uh you got to let kids decide as if the world's neutral, right? First of all, kids are going to decide what they believe anyway. And of course, you can cram stuff down your kid's throat in a way that turns them off. But you can also teach them properly Mm -hmm. so they can know what the truth is. Now, if they choose to reject it later, fine. Uh, I mean, you've done your job, right? Right. Not fine. You don't want them to do that. But it you did what you could do. And the kid's going to make up his, his or her own mind anyway. But you can't assume that kids are going to be neutral. You can't or you can't assume that the world's going to be neutral. The world, quite obviously, is going to pull your pull your kid away from the truth about God. There's lie after lie that our culture foists on them. 
And it's probably most prevalent now on social media. If you don't teach them the truth, they're going to wind up unarmed against the lies of Satan. So you need to teach them the truth. You need to do it in a proper way. But it's not a slippery slope to say if you teach them the truth, they're going to leave the church. They, if, if, if you never talk them into it, they're easily going to be talked out of it, as we say in the intro yeah. of this program, right? When logic, was taught, when logic used to be taught in the public schools, Frank, we didn't have social media. Mm. And now logic is not being taught. And that is the way these kids get their information and their worldview is shaped. So to me, it's like, you're going to be so passive as a parent, if we are not giving kids the tools and resources to live through this 21st century, being bombarded with this information, it, it you, know, you can't say, oh, well, you know, if I push God on them, you're actually providing, if you do it correctly, the reasons, the, the things that we're talking about today, good reasons to believe Christianity is true, not believe it because I said it is, not believe mm. it because this is what the family does. This is why you should believe it. You're giving them the why. If we do that, you know, in church, I was raised in church. You can, you can tell someone to believe Christianity and we can, we can believe God exists because we were told, but then that mm. that's going to be tested. And if you don't have the reasons you're going to be shaken. And a lot of kids faith is shaken because they're, they're only told what they're not told why. Well, again, that goes back to what to think versus how to think. And yeah, go into that distinction a little bit more, the distinction between what to think and how to think. Well, you know, I think what to think we live in this culture that is a follow your heart culture. Mm. So it's, it's like a Hallmark movie and Hallmark's line is follow your heart. And that's exactly what the world wants. So that means my emotions are going to lead the way. My emotions are going to dictate my reality and emotions are good. Every time I talk about this, I feel semi guilty because I don't want to like say you shouldn't feel anything, but the emotion is the response to the thing that's true or it should be. Otherwise we have to check our emotions because they can lead us astray. So what to think is is emotionally driven in a lot of cases and it's easy. It's so passive. We can go and we can become consumers of information. And we think because we know it, then, oh, I must, because I know this information, I, I must have good thinking skills. That's just not true. We live in the information age where the knowledge is at our fingertips. But is that information true? There's another level to knowledge that we all have to have, and that's understanding. If you don't understand what you know, you, one, really don't know it. And two, you can't decipher. If you understand it, you've at least evaluated to see, does this work? And the next step is the wisdom to act it out, to walk mm -hmm. that path. And so knowledge isn't the, the thing that we're, we're after. We have to be after the wisdom to walk that thing, to be able to live it out. To, and that's why Christianity is, the, is the, the thing that aligns to reality, because we have reasons and we can live it out. And when we do live it out, we see why God has commanded the things he's commanded us. So, you know, what to think, again, I, I think in this microwave world, you, you stick your food in the microwave, you push 30 seconds, it's a one and done thing. It's easy to just go on YouTube and become passive and try to get my information there rather than Going through something like this, you know, when we, you mm -hmm. know, looking through the introduction of logic with this book and saying, how do I become a better thinker? And why mm. do I want to? A lot of times this, this culture that we're in, they're not looking for the truth. They don't want to know the truth necessarily. They want to know what feels good and what's well, easy. Emotion makes life fun, but logic makes life safe. 
And the key verse, I think, for our culture today, other than the gospel itself, is Proverbs 4, 23. Above all else, guard your heart because everything you do flows from it. We have to guard our heart with logic, with evidence, with reason. And that's what this new course will help you do. It's called Train Your Brain an Introduction to Logic. Shanda Fulbright, my guest today, is the primary instructor. I'll also be involved. Shanda, thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks, Frank. Check her out at Shanda Fulbright, Fulbright.com as well. She's got a podcast, Her Faith Inspires. You ought to check that out as well. Great being with you, friends. See you on the Tuesday midweek podcast. If you're listening to this on radio, it won't be broadcast. You got to go to I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist podcast. See you then.